Hey, what is up, Headhunters, uh, Executive Career Search for Moaners, and all around beautiful people in the biz. Uh, this is Headhunters Live. Uh, my name is David Stephan Patterson. Uh, you may call me DSP or call me whatever you want. Uh, and over here we have the most beautiful man in the business, Chris Wessel, also known as the professor because he actually teaches in a college, believe it or not. He's not just a face guy. He also has, actually has some brains. Uh, and then down over here, is my brother from another mother, uh, Neil Lubovitz, and he is uh, where? Where are you at there, uh, Neil? In a new locale. You're not in New York. Uh, right? You are over. I'm in South Beach, Florida, and uh, you know the answer from the green room. But I am overlooking lovely Miami, downtown Miami, and the cruise terminal, and I'm down here for the winter. Like, and go ahead, he's Chris. got. I know you're. Go ahead. In, uh, and, and I think you all noticed that he's got a, a telescope there, and we're not really sure what he looks at all day with it. But you know, I think we have a pretty good idea what he looks at. Well, I some nice ones that go by. lines like that. No, come on, listen. I had a telescope. And, you know, I have one in my apartment in New York, and anytime anyone with a dirty mind, that's where they go. The average person doesn't go there. They, why I was just talking about here, looking at nice yachts. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. I just right. think that those uh -huh. are nice uh -huh. and look nice houses. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Well, um, well what, what are you doing down there Spain anyway? What? Let's, let's talk about your telescope there. I mean, because I, I I always want to know, are you looking at um, the, the, the yachts? Are you looking at the people on the yachts? Are you looking at a uh, certainly scantily clad people on the yachts? Okay, this is the actually Russian my oligarchs place. on their yachts I'm, that I'm he's checking there. out. They're all like, what? Turns out Neil's a thief for Russian oligarchs. Who knew? <laughs> here, my unit is, is actually, awesome. if you come outside here, this what is, I, don't talk about your unit. It's on the one show, of these, man, like, alive, <laughs> oh, God, you guys are sick. Anyway, I'm in that, uh, that wing over there. This is my brother's oh. place. And, uh, um, yeah, very nice. I'm moving in there with Excellent. my dad for the winter, taking care of my dad. So you're yeah, officially excited. a snowbird. David, we're we close now. Snowbird. I mean, not really. I know you're still like four hours away. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we're we like four hours away now. Hour. You got to come up here. Yeah, we get. Well, you're witnessing uh, we, everyone is the natural migration of, of the. This is the natural migration of the New York Jew. He is now in my. <laughs> this is the standard <laughs> migration. Standard migration. What's that guy's name? Yeah, yeah, it's funny because Chris was David talking Ambrose. about, about Jews in Miami, and Niels, Niels said it was anti-Semitic. I'm like, why is it anti-Semitic? It's true, you know. I mean, look, uh, proof is in the pudding. <laughs> I said, I'm not, I'm, I said it's true, also, but it's like, remember David Attenborough? I like that. The Jew finds himself coming from New York down Waverly, you know, right? Like that voice, like he did all those National Geographic, like the Cougar. Mother cub, you know, <laughs> something like that. Okay. Anyway, David, back to the show. Speaking of cougars, lots of cougars there in Miami, also in Tampa. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about Will Spangler, our special guest for today. Uh, Will, many of you know Will. Uh, Will was actually on our prior show, uh, Headhunters and Boxers Talking Smack, and maybe about four, four and a half years ago. And Will has a really interesting, really interesting story. He of course, I'll have him tell it, but I'll give you the, the, the quick, uh, uh, high level. 
uh, he was a worker bee recruiter not that long ago, you know, in, in the business. And um, uh, he started his firm. I think we're for Tima for a little bit. Uh, got a taste of being independent under that umbrella. Uh, kind of learned that business model. Uh, started Frederick Fox, Fox, his current company. I know he went through a lot of hardship initially. And I love to hear uh, that story because it's a really interesting one. And he's built up, uh, I think he's got 30, 31 recruiters now in his firm and he's just exploded. And so it's really, really interesting. And I'm really excited to, to bring him on and, and talk to him and kind of pick his brain a little bit and find out what makes him tick. And, uh, and also find out if any of our audience here can get, can glean any cool nuggets uh, that, 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 that they can use in their own journey as a recruiter. So well, uh, that's it. Let's bring him on if you guys are ready. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, here we go. There he is. Hey All guys, right. how's Welcome. it going? Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Appreciate it. So Neil, fantastic. I gotta ask you, how how often are you down in Miami? Are you here all winter or um I'm gonna be here like? all winter. So uh well I wasn't planning on it. So long story short, my mom had recently passed. So I'm down here. My dad, we took him down here for the winter, and I'm gonna work for the winter, and I've always wanted, like Chris said, it it it's just in your blood, it calls you. And so it's, you know, I don't want to say good timing, of course, but, you know, so that's that. Hey, you know what I was going to say, Will, is if this was like Dr. Phil or something, before we introduce you, we would show highlights of what David was talking about from your last guest appearance. Will was a <laughs> guest of ours on one of our earlier shows years back on Headhunters with Boxers Talking Smack. And it will, we had an, right? We had an Oprah moment and it's, you know, you'll talk about it. Like what David said, right? Like rags to riches story here. You were, let's talk about your first show with us and take it away. I mean, but right. We had an Oprah moment on that show, right? It was yeah, beautiful. Kinda, uh, you were um, real with everyone. And, <laughs> and yeah. I'm definitely trying to avoid another Oprah moment. I think I cried on the last one. So, um, but no, I mean, I yeah. think it was, the last time we did it was mid pandemic. It was 2020 of August. And I think at the time I started my business in October, 2019. So it was like just a Brown. I made, my, it took me four months to make my first placement as an independent, really being my own business. And the month after making my first placement that the pandemic happened and I then went six months without a placement. And I think you guys had me on the show, like right around September, 2020. And I think I was pretty close to rock bottom at that point, but starting to come up out of it. So, well, uh, I'll tell you what, I thought you were cutting onions <clears throat> personally. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I'll say what, what Will will get into. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've known you for, for a while. And actually, when I first started coaching, you're one of the first people that, I, that was, was in my audience. And I remember, we actually met you were driving through uh tampa we met at uh, world of beer for a very short amount of time you were pregnant at the time so you couldn't talk very long I know, and right? uh, uh it's really cool to hear your story uh about some of the hardships you went through like obviously that that as well but yeah man i want to hear a little bit more about that journey Wait, uh, am i the only one not in florida really right now Am I the only schmuck I'm, that's I'm in not Delray. in Florida? He's in Miami, and you're in Tampa. So, and I'm up in New York in a multi-layers. I know. So, okay, go on, carry on. You. Where, okay. where do you want me to start, Dave? Where do you want me to start, David? Because I've been in the industry about 13 years, and you know, sometimes people say, hey, "Let me tell you your story," and they're like, "You know, I was born in 19, whatever," and then you're like, "Oh God, I don't want to hear about that." But any place you want me to start, 
in 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 my journey and kind of start there. I'll move tell you what, let or, me give a little you know, intro from what I know about you, Will. Sure. Right? Cause, and then I'll package it because like because Will and I are are uh, also you know done some business partner stuff together. But Will is a guy that did recruiting amazingly, right? So he worked for Tima. Right. The agency thing. Bill's a, talk about you're a process guy. And when you're on our show, you're figuring out how to do it. You stay strong. You came up with a whole plan. You built an yeah. agency, a really with that has grown massively. Right. So start yeah. anywhere with that. How'd you go from that? All right. Yeah. Anywhere I'll, 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 I'll give the cliff notes. So I got into the business in 2012 and I worked for a deco for about five, six years. So I was out of Phoenix, Arizona. I ran a full desk accounting and finance, um, and I had to do perm only in Phoenix, Arizona. So very boutique. You know, it wasn't a boutique firm. It's a large national firm, publicly traded. Adeco, Neil, you and I go back. Neil was my boss's boss's boss. Uh, so I knew who Neil was back in 2012, you know, because Neil's famous in the industry. Um, so Neil would have been my boss's boss's boss his boss right um but I, I i my first six years it was it was very boutique -y. you work your local market uh you meet cfos in person you take them to lunch you build organic relationships in a market over time you build a perm desk um and so i was a i don't know i was like a four to six hundred k biller year year over year at a deco uh built a perm team we started at like 300,000. It was really just me and one other person. Um, and by the time I left, I think the unit was like eight people doing, I don't know, 2.2 million, give or take in perm. I wanted to go independent in 2017. I actually saw one of David's uh, Facebook ads. It was him walking down the beach in Tampa. And he was like, you know, ditch your recruiting firm. You can start your own business, take home 100% of the business. And I, that like really changed my trajectory is like, I just see this Facebook ad from you, David, where I'm like, I remember at the time I was like, this has to be a scam. Like, who's this Guido guy? And I always, sorry, I always say that, but I'm like, who is this guy? And I, and I just started following you, man. And at the time you were, this was 2017, you were just getting going and you had this program about like, walk you through how to start a company, start a business. And I just soaked up everything you were saying. Um, it was like, it, you were like a savior to me at the time. Cause I had all these thoughts going through my head, 2016, 2017, you've since kind of like morphed into marketing and coaching mm -hmm. and all that other stuff. But at the time you were like, you were, yeah. you were on a mission to evangelize going independent, you know? Um, so, it, you know, at the time I didn't go independent. I went into, well, I went independent into the team, model and I stayed there about three years, uh, got a ton of really good experience. Basically, Tima is a, it's about $120 million business. They've got 200 recruiters. They've got a centralized shared service center where they do contract. They do all the back end, you know, billing collections, payroll, contract staffing solutions. So they kind of said to me at the time, instead of going independent, doing your own business, why don't you bolt in as a 1099? We'll pay you 80%. Plus you can get access to doing contract staffing. We'll handle the whole back end really made a lot of sense for me. And so I rode the, I rode that out cause I didn't really have any back end like real knowledge at the time. Um, so I did that for three years and I drank the team of Kool-Aid, uh, before starting Frederick Fox about four years ago. Um, you know, fast forward. So it was October, 2019. I started Frederick Fox. Now it's, you know, we're in 2024, we're 30 recruiters. We have a team type model, except it's, it's different. I can go into that later. 
but we got 30 recruiters. We're on track for about 10 million in revenues this year. Uh, we do contract in-house, we do direct hire. We've got about 470 customers. Um, it's going extremely well and uh, we're growing pretty quickly. So, Where did you get the name? Where did the name come from? Um, so uh, the whole concept was I didn't want to use my last name or my first name because I, I didn't want anyone to know I was the owner of the business. So sure. I always wanted to pretend that there was somebody else that there was like a Frederick Fox um, okay. and that I reported it to him because I, you know, I'm 35. And when I started the business, I was 31, I think. And so I always wanted to be that junior sales rep trying to earn your business. So I created this Frederick Fox alias so that people thought that I'd had to get contracts approved by somebody else that was more senior than me. Um, so it was kind of more of a stalking horse name. Uh, yeah, but cool. to be, to be honest with you, Frederick is my middle name. And then, uh, the Fox is completely random. You know, when I looked at Spencer Stewart, Russell Reynolds, they had the, uh, the, the alliteration R, going on. The alliteration. Yeah. So I just, I had Frederick and I just, we just threw Fox on it and we were like, all right, let's go with it. It's clean. It's simple. It's easy <laughs> to say. I just had always wondered, cause I was like, I'm sure it was one of those things where either I'm like, okay, he either wants to name it, not his name. So it's easy to sell later or whatever. Or, or like you said, like where you're like for years, uh, I'm, I never have owner on my business card. Right. And like yeah, oh, this, the firm that I ran before, because I didn't want, I, I wanted to make it seem like I had to run stuff by other people. Cause if they knew that I'm the one making the call, I wanted like that extra layer of like, Oh, let me run that yeah. by the other partners. 100%. Whatever. I, I actually like to go by recruiter because I think the CEO, president, founder, all that works against you, in my opinion. So, you need a descriptive and then I think, title that says what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think using the I'm not going to lie. Name, I love chief yeah. executive officer. I use that title everywhere I could put it now. I'm not, it's an ego yeah. thing. I know. Sorry. But, you, but you're not you a recruiter. But you've got chief the in charge. The, you know? <laughs> well, well, look, I, but, 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 you know, Chris is right. Uh, when when is that LinkedIn? If people are looking for a recruiter, they don't look for a vice president or blah 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 or manager part. They look for finance recruiter, tech recruiter. I mean, so even just that, you, you become more more findable on LinkedIn. I, I do see what you're saying. I mean, I think there's there's certain ego involved as well. Um, I definitely get that for sure, especially the older that you get. But I, I also can definitely understand if you're younger, especially, um, you want to have that authority that authority that you can go to uh it, it makes it easier in negotiations etc so and i definitely hear what you're saying um but i'm curious though so so when you made the move to independent you went with tima do you think and and, and again nothing you know, uh, good or bad against Tima. i'm just curious do you think that was a good move do you or do you think you should have gone just straight independent like what was what was the thinking behind that was it more of just like a risk avoidance thing or what, what were you thinking Oh, I, I definitely think it was a good move. Um, it, it started as a risk avoidance, but like, I think there's a lot of people that have big shops that just think, oh, I'm just going to break off and start a business because I go get the client, I go get the candidate. What did this big shop do for me? But I think like getting into a smaller shop and seeing the back end, like one of the things I like to say is, okay, anybody can figure out the back end, but it's not all smoke and mirrors. Like there you know, especially as you get into contract staffing. I mean, it's, there is just a ton of HR compliance. There's a ton of funding that you have to do. There's a ton of accounting. So I, I think, you know, it was a good move for me to go to Tima. And I think there's something to be said about 
look, if you're earning 80% and you're not doing any of the back end, I think it is a good deal um, because if you do run your own business as a, let's say you're a solopreneur, you're going to be spending the 20% anyways, and you're not going to have access to shared revenue or access to shared costs at scale. So I think, you know, ultimately I love the Tima model. I think where it broke down for me was their partnership program and like the ability to have equity in a business unit that you were building. You know, I ran a team of 16 at Tima and I made about 3000 a month in overrides, but I had no equity in the business I was building. So my whole thing was, if I'm going to rebuild the team of model, which is what I ended up doing, um, somebody has to have a reason to build someone else's company. If you're going to build someone else's company, you should own, not only do you earn a bonus, in my opinion, you should have ownership in what you're building and the value that you're bringing to that business. So I think the whole concept of Frederick Fox was rebuild the team of model, be a much smaller version, but have a better partnership program where, you know, people can have access to a higher multiple higher value at a faster scale with shared revenue and shared costs at a shareable scale. I know that's a lot of thoughts in one. And let me say this, Will, right? You you built a better mousetrap. And I'll say this, because Will and I, we have an NDA out of it. Will Will shared like his vision and it's 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 like it looked like something out of a beautiful mind. It's like talk about it. You're going to say you're going to get into it. Like he, he did just what you built, just what you said. You took Tima, which I was curious as to your answer to David's question, because I'm like, yeah, you got all that beautiful stuff to create this. So you created something that empowers these people to not just be in the agency. So talk about that, right? That's what you did. You built it much better and differently. And then like, they'd, love, they'd love to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like, the way Tima is structured is every partner has a team and they earn 10% bonus on their PL. So they take the revenues minus the commissions, minus whatever their they call it their GNA. It's their shared costs per member. You take your whole back office, you divide by the number of recruiters total, and you apply that to each PL of each partner. Well, the the, the issue with Tima was that there were no there was no control on the costs centrally and the partners couldn't vote on controlling those costs so the better anyone would do the more costs they just put into the PL. and even if you were let's say net income positive in your PL, it was only an only a 10% profit sharing bonus it was just a bonus at 10% with super high uncontrolled costs so at the time, a lot of the partners were getting together saying, hey, we should have the right to what shared infrastructure the company invests into. If you're going to apply the costs to our P&L, we should have the right to vote on the costs that you're doing at the center. So all the partners were saying, we, we should have the right to vote on that. We should have 20% profit sharing. And at the time, I was one of those partners. I said, look, I think we should ask for 50% bonus. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be 20. You guys are going for 20 I think it should be 50%, plus you should own that 50%, not have it be a bonus. It should be owned. So in the event of a sale, you participate in the multiple. And then we should have right to what's going on in the costs. And everyone said, well, we'll never get that. They'll never go for that. And I said, well, what if I rebuilt this model? And we did do that. So I think I think it's not it's not so much that I, I'm some wunder child that um, – built a model and just cooked up some great idea. I think it's there was a great idea in the team model. I saw an opportunity to fix it. The president didn't want to do it. So I just went out and did it. 
And I thought people would move over faster, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, it's starting to happen now. It's just, it's human psychology. People are, are starting to see it. It's starting to be a real thing. And we're really starting to get legs now. Okay, so 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 let's uh, let's go to this. So let's say uh, let's say somebody wants to uh, 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 moving away from, I like, say, the the Tima sort of Frederick Fox model, but just in general, because I know you got to get your first person right. That's that's if you're if you're an independent recruiter and you want to scale. In my opinion, it's one of the toughest things to get that first person to stick and should be productive because really, what do you have to sell? It's just the the Will Show, the David Show, the whatever show. So, um, what advice would you give to? Um, an independent recruiter, solo guy who or gal who wants to build a team. How do you get that first person? Like, how do you do that? That's that's a big hurdle to overcome. I imagine it was probably for you, right? Oh, it's it's huge. I was independent for a year and a half. So before my first person, Rob Thomas, came in. Um, so my first person was a guy that said, Well, I'm gonna start my own thing as well. And he's like, Why don't we do splits? And I said, Look you know, I don't see splits as a long-term business. At some point, we like if you want to do splits with me, let's go underneath one hood. We can build together. You know, so my first person was actually somebody that was. It was set up where they had a hundred percent. I had fifty percent of the sales side, fifty percent of the recruiting side. So there was no profit on my first person. That was my mindset. Is like, look, let's let's. I just need more than just one person let me get somebody else in here or some kind of partner so that we have more value for the next person. Right. Um, so I think a lot of recruiters, it's, it's, I think a lot of recruiters that go independent, they don't have, you have to realize not only do you have to bill a lot of money, but you have to, you, you have to bill a lot of money and build a business at the same time. So I think what most people get trapped in is just doing deals to be a solopreneur to stay alive instead of way doing way amount of deals. So you actually have cash so you can actually build a real business and afford to bring in other people. So what value do you have to offer somebody else? You have to kind of think about that. Like I think the best value you can have is a ton of customers with really good job orders and they could come in and support you. You could start with a 1099 uh, or you could start with a W2 if you have enough cash so I think it depends on the person and and what their cash looks like. To be honest with you, yeah, it is. And and, and the problem I think with a lot of independent recruiters is that they close a deal and the gas comes off the pedal because you know it's, it's, it's it can be such a stressful thing to it's feast or famine. They they close a deal, woohoo! All right, let's go on vacation or let's or let's let's take a few days off or let's not not make all those cold calls or let's not do yeah. those, those big email campaigns. And then and then cash starts running low. Um, it's a and and, and no, it's actually. The uh, uh, that's why, uh, and, and, and well, you may re remember me saying this. I used to say this a lot, and I and I used to, I probably should go back to saying it more, but uh, you you you're more successful by managing your downsides and managing your upsides, right? It's that it's that when you first make that placement, don't dip into that downside, right? And and I think it's uh, because that's when you work the hardest, right? Is when your cash is running low, at least for most people. And I think if the better you can manage your downsides, the better your upsides are. But people don't think about that. They always think about the upside. Managing think, the downsides is, is huge. I think, you know, I, I'm on the Herc a lot. And I think what people are thinking about uh, on there a lot is how do I get my next deal? Or what tool can I use where I leverage myself and my time more? There's not a lot of, like a lot of people think like salespeople, but don't think about like business people, right? So like a business person would think, 
what is my structure? What is my value prop to another recruiter? What's, what is my commission plan that I'm going to offer? Am I going to test this commission plan? Is anyone going to sign up for this commission plan? Why would they sign up? What's my messaging to other recruiters? A lot of people on the Herc are just thinking, okay, if I get this tool, I could do X more deals this year. That's an individual contributor mindset. That's thinking like a salesperson. It's not thinking like a business person, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Um, it, it's really big. I think, yeah, I think, I think it, it takes that sort of mindset uh, to build a business. Uh, but well, let me ask you this. So, so let's talk about uh, making enough deals. So you have the cash to hire W2 or 1099 or whatever you want to do. So um, in fact, here, actually, I'm curious about this. So I'm sure the way you sell has changed a lot over the years, right? As you get more experience, you get more wily uh, and, and more, a little more street smart. So, so let's go to the selling piece of it. So especially in this market where it's hard to get clients, right? Um, at least it's harder than, than it was, let's say a year ago when everybody was hiring. What, uh, uh, how has your selling changed and, and what lessons can people take from that? Like how to sell in this market? And are you talking about selling to get new customers? Or are you talking about selling to build the business and selling people to come in to the, are you talking about interfacing uh, with the end customer? New clients. Yeah. New clients. New clients. Yeah. yeah because, because as you mentioned, yeah. you need enough clients to get that first person anyway. So, so let's talk about that. Like, so the, the getting, the getting of clients. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, what is it? Warren Buffett says, you know, you can point them to the castle, but keep a moat around it. So you don't give away everything. Right. Uh, but I think, I think what you're, I'm seeing a lot of out there is that people still are holding on to technology uh, as if it's going to come back. And so there's all these recruiters right now that bid in the dumpster for a year and a half. They're tech recruiters. I mean, I put out a tech recruiter ad the other day, I got 1600 applications. And so they've got all these tech recruiters that are like doubling down. Well, I, this worked in the past. So if I just double down, I'll get a tech sale. I think honestly, one of the biggest things, if you want to get customers right now is like, you know, I don't know why tech people can't get to this right now, but like it ain't there, you know, so stop trying to fish where there's no fish. The business is in legal right now. It's in HR, it's in accounting and finance, sales and ops is picking up. But I think the people that are struggling, it's like all these technology recruiters that are like, they, they just think doubling down on old ways. No, it's, it, it's called the adaptability paradox. You, you have to adapt and say, okay, it, it might come back. And when it does, you'll be gangbusters, but you know, don't beat yourself up, you know, and you think something's wrong with you is nothing's wrong with you. You're just sell you're selling ice cream uh, in the North pole. It's remarkable how many recruiters don't have an understanding of like market conditions. Like I'll talk to lots of them. They'll be looking and like, like you said, well, I think you captured it well, where, you know, they figure like, okay, I'm in the right vertical. This is my specialty. I'm just doing it wrong. I just, I got to look more places. I got to make more calls versus just recognizing like the winds and which way they're blowing. You know, like I was a largely tech recruiting. And then when COVID hit, there, there was only a couple of places, healthcare, which I didn't want to mess with because I just wanted to stay out of that mess and manufacturing. I did all kinds of manufacturing because guess what? Manufacturing didn't stop. So let's, I was positioning myself to all kinds of manufacturing companies. And that's how I ate during that year. Right. And you just like you have to, but, but it's funny because you'll have recruiters will get laid off, corporate recruiters, and they'll be totally shocked. And you're like, dude, do you think when they hired 75 recruiters at the big tech company you're at, that that's level of hiring was sustainable? 
that you would just be working there forever. Like, like we're like, it would be good at like, Oh, I know how to find people, but I don't know a goddamn thing about business. Like it, it anyway, my rant's over, but I, I, I agree. Well, it's an well, interesting myopic view. Now, now I will say, I will say this, uh, and actually I want to, uh, uh, dive into this a little bit further, but before I do so, speaking of clients, um, uh, I'm going to do a little promo here for you guys. Mind, but we are running, uh, or I'm running a double your clients challenge, uh, showing you how to actually, uh, uh, call it the core four. So core four marketing campaigns that you should be running, uh, to kind of hit your prospects at all different, uh, angles without being a spam machine. Uh, so that started on January 29th and you can join by going to the digital forward slash D Y C C uh, go to the sales page. It describes exactly what the campaigns are, all the bonuses, etc. It's live. If you can't make it live, there'll be recordings. So uh, make sure you go to the digital forward slash D Y C. And also uh, if you want any sort of back office uh, staffing support, turns out Neil has a back office staffing solutions company called Boss Back Office Staffing Solutions, backofficenow.com. Super quality. If you want to uh, not to depend on direct hire placements, you, but you want to dip in a contract staffing, but you don't have maybe the resource that Will has, or you can manage his own payroll and, and whatnot, go to backofficenow.com and uh, get signed up. Anyway, that said, back to you, Will. Um, <laughs> now, I do want to I ask think- about that. I want to make sure I got my promo in. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I do want I do want to say this. Um, you mentioned about about tech recruiting, right? Um, about it being, I won't say it's dead, but it's 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 tough, uh, a lot tougher. And uh, two things: uh, we interviewed uh, Josh uh, 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 May last uh, last week. He's in the energy. He's in the oil and energy space, and that's where he started. Now he does some other things as well. But he he said that even if it's dead. Uh, or what he does is he keeps his foot in there. Like he works in other in, in other areas, but he always keeps a foot in that industry because he knows when it comes back. And there's been times where it's come back for him where he makes his gangbusters because he was he's the only one still doing it and he still maintains those relationships. So still maintain the relationships even if you go to another area because when it does come back, you'll be the one still in there. Um, it's all cyclical. Now, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I will say this as well. Uh, in terms of where, where, where companies need people, at least the way I look at it, in the economy like this, companies need to cut costs. They need to gain market share. They need to drive revenue. The more that you can work in those areas that are involved, directly involved in revenue and cutting costs, you know, market share, things like that, there's always going to be a need for those folks, right? If you find a killer salesperson, uh, there's always going to be a need for that person, even if a company isn't necessarily hiring, but you you personally with a business yeah and so so think about where those where those needs are that's that's a very primal need for any company right now is survival so if you can provide you don't know this um i an important lesson i learned from one of my mentors way back in the day he said even even if people need vitamins they buy painkillers offer the painkiller right initially then tell them the vitamin later but give the painkiller because that's what people need in the moment. And then I think if you can be the painkiller for some of these companies that are struggling right now, that's a, a great, a great place to be, in my opinion. Now let yeah. me let me throw in a plug for Will since we did our shameless plugs. Um, the agency model, and I'm thinking as you guys are all talking, and like you get to see, like Will becomes a, a mini ADP, right? You get to know the sectors that are going. I don't will will people get to split and do things within there. Uh, but the agency model, uh, let's show and put up there how people can sign up if they want to join a Frederick Fox. And, and the plug I want to give 
in general for an agency model is will said you're going to pay that 20 percent anywhere let's say you don't and that you oh my god I'm, that's going to cost me x no you're already getting x tools you can you can monetize a whole bunch of that off the bat you're always looking at a delta at best okay and why wouldn't you want to take advantage of networking and splits and training automation and i don't get it why go on your own when you have explore well, a, a frederick fox yeah you do that it, if you're out there that's my just I guess just to hit on that real quick, uh, just to shift gears on that, I think anybody that wants to go truly independent and they need to check that box, don't you know when you first file your company and you just, you know, I, we don't offer that because we do co-brand, right? Um, and so, you know, I'm at the spot now where I've already kind of checked the, I started my own company box, right? And honestly, heavy is the crown and I've kind of experienced that myself. Um, that it's not all sunshines and rainbows to be at the top when the buck stops with you. Um, so I think, you know, why would you, you could go independent. I think that it depends on the person and the personality. There are some people out there that they don't work well with other people. They're the lone wolf. So that lone wolf is never really going to build a business anyways, because they don't work well with other people. They become a one man band 20 years into their career. They never scaled up right? Because they don't really effectively work well with people. So I think we look for people that see the one plus one equals three equation where it's like, you know, that's how I am. I work well with other people. Like if you leave me in the corner in the cube uh, at a deco and just give me a cube, I can't work with anybody. I'm going to build 275 grand a year, but put me on a team of three and do splits and we can work together. I'm going to build close to a million dollars. So I believe in I believe in working with people and the scalability and the synergy. So there's not only synergy and just doing deals within our system, but there's synergy in building a business within our system because all of our business teams work with all the other business teams. A lot of the, it, it, it's just an accounting exercise on how we do the profit and loss, right? So you're getting synergy on revenue share across 30 recruiters, but you're also getting synergy on costs so if you have infrastructure with fixed costs, the more recruiters, as long as infrastructure can support that, the cheaper per head the costs are, right? So my whole thing is it often is cheaper to join us and you get access to more revenue and you can build a business faster with a higher multiple because you're part of a bigger business. Now, somebody wants to start their own company, we don't make, you know, we don't make sense. So I think we're somewhere in between the pendulum of, I work for Jobot and I can't stand Jobot and I want to start my own company. We're like right in the middle. Like it's, we're a brokerage for people that want to be 1099 and we have W2s as well. We're not all 1099. So we have the Jobot and the Robert half offer in our model. Um, it's just, we like those senior level people. And oftentimes those people don't want, they want to be independent, but still want to be on a team and for the right person, like, we have a great environment and a great offer. So, well, and I think that there's, there's like, as you described, there's shades of independent, right? Like a lot of times I think people associate independent recruiter with also like running a business. Right. And it depends what needs they have. Right. So like maybe they want to just be independent from having a traditional like employment model. Right. But they maybe don't want to take the world by storm, build a business, or maybe they feel like that's not their forte. They just want to be a contributor. And so that's where this is like, is a happy medium for them. They don't have that burning desire to be like the lone wolf, but they definitely don't want to work 
you know, for a traditional model, it's, it's something in the middle. And it depends on what independent means for you, right? A hundred percent. Yep. I mean, everybody does own and their own will. company. And yeah, go ahead. We're a corp to corp model. So you do run your own company, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, but not like, no, I, I mean, you do ask, what you with I, want, I was curious about the pivot though. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what's the question? Because we were talking earlier about IT. We were again, we were talking earlier about IT oh, okay. as an example, being hard and pivoting, right? So in an agency model, what are the opportunities to someone that wants to get into a new niche? Are people and Frederick Fox, have they moved? Are they maybe seeing, hey, there's this yeah, group yeah, that's yeah, doing yeah, that. I want yeah. to jump on that. How does that yeah. work? It sounds <clears> like a major plus. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, thanks for that question. I think it depends on which agency you're coming from, but let's say you're at Robert Half. They say, hey, you can only do contract to hire in this vertical, in this city and town, right? And people feel really limited in that model because they're like, well, what if I what if my customer has a marketing need or what if my customer has a, a tax need or what if my customer... And so they have to introduce all these different points of contact. And the customer's like, look, I only want to work with you. I don't want to work with all these points of contact. So that person ends up being limited on the revenue and the commissions they can earn because of the structure that they're in. It's hard to blame Robert Half and Jobot and all those companies for doing that because they prefer to have multiple points of contact to retain that customer, right? Um, it, it just makes sense from a business strategy perspective. But I think what we offer is you can do contract, you can do perm, you can do anywhere in the US, you can do anywhere in Canada. I, I have a deal going on right now in Europe, right? So it's a good and a bad thing to not have a core focus. So, so we, we, it's a good and a bad thing. Like we, we've, we have really five core focuses right now. It's ANF, tech, sales, legal, and HR. We stay in those five lanes. We're trying to tighten that down, but um, so it, it is a good and a bad thing to not stay in a niche. But um, I think in a down market, like right now we're in a down market. It, you just got to get revenues in the door no matter what. In an up market, why not niche down and maximize your return? So I always tell people, niche down is great in an up market, but niching down in a in a bad lane in a down market doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why right. wouldn't you have two or three verticals? You know, it doesn't, unless you've got a lot of cash in the past, you're like, I just got to keep my name in this vein. Um I just don't see why you do that. Well, well and the opportunity that back office Well, I will say this, but Will, I just want to say this real quick. Um, that, that that is key to build for opportunities in other areas and have a couple different pillars. However, the one thing is you don't want to go chasing shiny objects. I've seen recruiters do that too, is go chase dead end, dead end, dead end, dead end. And it's and it's hard to really pick up any momentum. So I think there's a bit of a of a like a middle ground there, but I definitely think you're right. You do need to to look at the market and and figure out a couple pillars you're gonna to to lean on. Uh, Chris, you wanted to say something? I yeah, sorry, quick quick thing comment related to that. Because I know it's it's easy for us to all say, oh you got to diversify you know, has, go where the opportunity is, that kind of thing. And I think that there's a path here with, and I, and Neil kind of touched on this with, with a model like Frederick Fox, where you got like 30 recruiters all working in, you know, some related areas, but all uncovering their own opportunities and they've got their own circles and, and all that. And you have the opportunity to collaborate. And if, if one of you typically focused in a certain area and you're hurting, you got a team you can look to and see, and, and there's, there's avenues 
to, to do that pivoting or to, to you know what I mean? Because it's, it's one thing for us to talk about, like, you know, that's the direction you got to go. But if you're on your own, you might be like, I got all my eggs in this one basket. I don't really know how to make uh, steps yeah. in that direction. 100%. And I feel like now you have this 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 network uh, of coworkers that you can use to actually get there. Yeah, we're like a family, to be honest with you. We're all on Slack. It's 30 of us. We talk all the time. All of a sudden, someone's getting some traction in legal. We'll all jump into legal, right? All of a sudden, we're getting traction in accounting and finance. We're all in on that. We train each other. We coach each other. We teach each other how to do contract, how to price contract. So it like everybody's independent, but we are working together with the same. We call it the dog help dog, but like that's it's a dog help dog mindset, right? It's we're on the same team. We jumped off the cliff together. Let's work together to maximize this. Otherwise, what value am I getting if we're not working together, right? Well, I'd just rather be on my own, right? Now, uh, now we have a, a, a question. And by the way, guys, for the folks watching this, uh, I'm, I forgot to men mention this earlier. So please like, uh, love the show, share it with your friends, share it on your social media so we can, because it'll just help us grow. Uh, we do have a question for one uh, 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 viewer, and if anybody has any, has any questions, please post them in the comments, and we'll try to get to, get to them all. So, if you have any questions for Will? Please post them down there. We want to hear what you guys have have to to ask, and, and what you have to say as well. If you disagree, agree, whatever. Um, but with that said, question I have from Yerbal, and he's actually watching us on YouTube right now. So, thank you, Yerbal. Appreciate it. Uh, any creative ways to find partners or to get more clients? Uh, is it a good idea to partner up with business consultancies or others to get referrals for my recruiting services? Uh, Will, what are your thoughts on that? Um, <laughs> yeah, this was back at, at your question earlier, right? Uh, so obviously the MPC, everybody uses it, but I think there's mm -hmm. a, the, where we're finding a lot of opportunity, I call it the jingle, but it's, it's more targeted messaging that is, is, rings and resonates with the customer. So I'll give you an example. If I'm targeting pre-IPO CFOs, I'm sending them messaging about how other CFOs prepare for an IPO. And my content is written towards, okay, CFOs that are entering an IPO are doing these things. And here are the things that they do from a human capital perspective. And here are the testimonials and the clients we've served that have gone IPO. So I think a lot of what recruiters are doing is they're sending these spammy messages like, here's your hot senior accountant of the week. They've seen that a million times. What they haven't seen is good writing and good content that hits on the business scenario that that company is in. I'll give you another example. You talked about partnerships with, yes, we work with VCs. We work with private equity groups. They'll refer, refer you to their portfolio companies, right? Um, but why not? you know, why not target your competitors of your clients with really good marketing and case studies? So I think going that extra mile to actually having good content scores clients versus the hot senior accountant of the week that took you three minutes to get the bullets together, right? Well, I will say this. So, uh, and Will, you make a good point there. And I always say this in my training, you know, look, at the end of the day, every recruiter finds the best candidates. We are the best network. We're all the most experienced. We're all the most, we, we, we're all the best process. We all care about our clients and blah, 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 blah. Everybody's saying the same thing. Some say better than others to be sure. Oh, I lost Chris. Some say better than others, 
but being super granular with their specific pain points. In fact, there's a, uh, I forget who said this, it might've been Dan Kennedy, but he said, if you could describe your, your prospects pain better than they can, they're going to assume you could fix it, or at least they're going to give you a shot. Uh, and it shows that you understand. I know for me in the SAP world where I come from, um, I'm talking to, uh, SAP leaders who are beholden to the extension delights of the world, who are overpaying for consultants because they can't find talent on the streets because yeah. they're all contractors. I'm talking about things that, that I, the, the kind of things that they would complain to me about in a bar for having a drink, the more you can do that. So always think to yourself, if I say to somebody, will it just hit them in the gut? It's like, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. That's how you get their, their attention. Yeah. And even more so uh talk to your prospects every time you talk talk to a, a client a prospect a leader whatever find find out what really irks them that what they're going through their problem and what will happen is if you do it all the time eventually you'll you'll come across like a little nugget of gold and you're like ooh, i'm gonna use that in my messaging that's amazing and once in a while you'll find that sticky sort of copywriting or sticky voice the customer they call it in copywriting um and some of the best things uh some of your best messaging will come directly from your prospects from your audience yeah, I completely agree. I, I've got one email I use where it's like, I do a lot of senior level accounting and finance, but I'll target CFOs. And I say, the email is when you know you need to replace your controller. And just like you said, you're hitting on the pain points. Month end closes late. The the you're, you're off budget. You have no two-year plan, right? And you start to hit on these pain points. You're, you feel like your business is flying blind and you know, your PL saying one thing, but your bank account saying the other, right? If you can understand your prospect and you can write content, you're instantly going to elevate in their mind because they're like, okay, this recruiter is not some Joe Schmo that's just in, in the basement eating Cheetos trying to make a fee. They've actually been in these scenarios and get my, get where I'm at and understand what I need to hire. And I can tell that by what they're writing. Now we do have a. Now we're gonna have to wrap up here in a few minutes, but we do have a question from I, I can't I can't tell the name of the user. Uh, it doesn't show, but uh, uh, retain contingent both. Uh, so I want to assume they're asking, do you suggest you should go for contingency retainer? Do you have a preference? I'm assuming that's what they're asking. Uh, for me, we we sell both, um, but the majority of what we do is contingent. Um, I think that most customers don't like the retain model. I think recruiters really do a great job selling retain, but I, I actually don't think it's in the customer's best interest. I think it's in the recruiter's best interest. Um, I know that they try to sell the bells and we're gonna go deeper, we're gonna get more data, we're gonna actually work with you and they try to package it up. But, but I, I think that um, it's, it, I would, I think in this market, you should take business no matter where you can get it. Um, although I will say this, be very wary of going in when there's four or five workers already work, work on the job. Uh, cause I've seen a lot of, uh, folks, uh, bent that against the wall because, um, you know, they, they got recruited and the next thing you know, a week later, oh, it's filled oh, or you got a candidate and they, and some other recruiter already submitted them. And so always be careful. So I do agree with you. Contingent, uh, is fine. Just make sure you're exclusive or make sure there's not many people working on it because yeah. otherwise, you know, you're, you're, you know, being a, being one of many is not a good place to be for sure. I think when you're a one man band and you're going up against four or five other agencies, you're going to get smoked. But if you're on a team of 30 people, you can move fast and smoke your competition. Right. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of independents try to sell retained because how can you blame them? They can wait 60, 90 days, run their full workflows. Right. And so I don't know. I, that's my personal opinion. I, I don't, I don't worry about how many other agencies are on it. 
I, I'm I'm willing to put in the work, work for free, and work the volume, and because I always know the return's going to come. Mm-hmm. It helps if we have a big team like that for sure. Um, well, that's it. We're going to be wrapping the, the show up here in a minute. It's actually a great show, Will. I really appreciate you being on. Um, but I want to want to give give an opportunity if you have any anything else you want to add. And obviously, we want to promote your firm as well. So if anybody is thinking about going independent, but they but they really don't really want to make that leap, they want to be a part of a much larger organization or not a much larger organization, but a larger team. You get that team feel. Uh, go to FrederickFrox.com. I believe it is uh, forge slash join us. Uh, I've got the, uh, oh, here it is. So I've got this right here, frederickfox.com forge slash join dash us. And by, by the way, Will's a great guy to work with. I've known Will for years. He's a fantastic guy. Um, and obviously, you know, we've, um, you, know, we, you know, obviously I, I like more that retained engaged business for its contingent. We may have a different opinion there, but at the end of the day, Will's a fantastic guy to work with. I know Rob Thomas very well as well. Great guy. Uh, so fantastic organization to work for. You cannot go wrong if you go join Frederick Fox. Thanks, man. And, um, and Will uses a yeah. great back office. So Will and I know each other there too. So that's a very uh, great testament. Yeah. And Will and I know each other. I'm such a fan of what Will's built. Yeah. Very, very, very impressed. I worked with, we work with boss. Uh, we've been building our in-house contract, at, but we also, if we're going to go with an EOR, we go with them. They've been great to work with. I think, you know, we're adding people. We're, we're Our budget is to go from 30 to 42 recruiters this year. So we want to add net 12. Uh, you know, we've got 480 customers. We're going to do 10 million in revenues. We do contract. We do direct hire. We do everything senior level. So everything's 100K plus, 100 to 300K. We've got business. We've got a great team. Um, we look for people that, you know, want to go independent, but not completely out on their own. Um, we have the, you start at 80%, we can move to 90% and then we can move to hundred percent commissions, meaning we earn zero profit off our partners. You can build a business within our model and actually have equity and we're moving fast and we're growing and would love it. You know, we're looking for the right people that fit with us and we've got a good family. So if you're interested, reach out. Uh, we'd love to have you. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, uh, well, I really appreciate it. Uh, Chris, of course, I appreciate being on. Neil? Well, Neil, you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I am just kidding, Neil. Love you as well, brother. Um, all right. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, for the folks that are watching this, if you're watching the live, comment live. If you're watching the replay later on, comment replay. It would really help if you share the show. Like, love, uh, whatever uh we'll be on podcasts here in a couple weeks we're almost there we'll be on spotify and apple Podcasts and rss so uh be on the lookout for that and with that said folks thank you very much everybody well thank you and uh, that's it peace out cup scouts